0: Hello. Um, So I have the distinct pleasure of preaching to you today. Um, If you haven't seen me before, it's because I have to work sometimes on Sundays. Um, I promise I've been here before. My name is Nate. Um, You may know my wife, Kristen, or our two little girls. Um, But today, I guess I'll get to click her out on the the show. Um, We're going to be starting a new series um, on Christ, community, and culture. Today, I'm going to be talking about getting our priorities straight, or our priorities straight. Um, and this is kind of where we're headed in this series. It's going to last the next seven or eight weeks. Um, next week, Leon's going to be talking about putting to death some of the distractions that we have, and then move into a discussion about neighboring um, in our various roles for the kingdom of God, engaging our youth for the kingdom, um, understanding race and its role in the kingdom, and then yielding to Christ's rule and trust in his reality. Um, so, let me pray for our time here today. Lord God, we thank you for this time. Um, we thank you for your word that is life to us, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that you would be made known today, Lord, um, in spite of myself, Lord, that you would be glorified and that you... Would be lifted up, and Lord, that everything else would be seen for for its worthlessness next to You. Amen. Um, so I don't have the text up on the screen. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to pull it out. Um, we're not going to we're going to read through this passage. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on me talking today. Um, I wanted to get you guys involved. I was challenged to get you guys involved. Um, so, about we're going to speed through some really big concepts. Um, I do have notes that go a little bit more in depth, um, so you can pick those up there in the back. Um, it's not doesn't exactly follow the way this talk follows, but um, but it has it has a little bit more depth to it. If you have a lot of questions at the end, um, so. Let's read through this passage. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, and that word for healthy is literally single, If your eyes are single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life Um, so in this passage there's four kind of one idea is reiterated four times and it's the idea that our priority is god first and alone in the first couple of verses it says, store up your treasure and thus your heart in heaven maintain a single eye for the light of the world serve one master god to the exclusion of all others and then take your focus off of life's details even the vital ones like you know, what you're going to eat today or what you're going to drink today or what you're going to wear. Like, those aren't small things. But those, aren't to, those are not to be your focus. Um, and put it first on God's kingdom and his righteousness. Um, so that, so in applying a passage like this, um, you know, it's important to understand the terminology. Um, and that, to back up a little bit, that, that God first and alone idea is the one theme of scripture from beginning to end. It's implied in the creation where it says, In the beginning, God. Everything flows from God. It's implied in God saying, You need to love me, you know, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. It's the first commandment, you know, You shall have no other gods before me. It's God's insistence on being thought of as Israel's king and on Israel's, um, Israel's God, the imagery of Israel's lover you know, all through the prophets, God insists on being the first and most important thing in his people's lives. When he is not, that God's people cease to be God's people. Like that's the difference between unbelievers and believers. It's not that you know that that not that you say God exists or that you have <clears throat> the correct theology, you know it's you know, God is Trinitarian. Um it's that You not only know those things, but you submit yourself to him as the most important thing in life. So I chose the imagery of kingdom because I think it's very practical. Um, We get it wrong all the time, but it's practical nonetheless. Um, And if you've been at MACAF for any amount of time, you've heard it defined something like this. The rule of God in the hearts of humans. And I I threw in angelic beans for completeness sake, but for for our purposes, it's God's rule in our hearts. Um, and though the imagery of kingdom and God ruling is, again, all throughout Scripture, we don't have time to read all that. So I just brought these two verses in. Um, Both are spoken by Jesus in the Gospels. Um, The first, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. So it's not a geographical place. It's not Israel. It's not the United States. Um, the kingdom of God is within the, the heart of his people. Um, and what sets his people apart is the second verse. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I just want you to notice the parallel passage, or the parallel idea there. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God's kingdom exists where his will is done. And you go back to the first one, that's in the hearts of his people. Um, that's all well and good, but what does it actually look like to seek first God's rule? Um, and this gets at what, what is our fundamental purpose as people? Um, now, I would argue that it's consistent, again, from the beginning of creation to the end of time. Um, we are to be image bearers who multiply, and that is to be our everyday priority. It's not something that we do on Sundays alone. Um... And we, we see this idea repeated in a few different places, but obviously the, the image-bearing and multiplication comes from Genesis, um, where God says, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Um, we are to be stewards of God's rule on earth, letting God rule in us, bearing his image, and then not only do we do that ourselves, but then we're to be fruitful and increase in number. And in a in a perfect creation... This may have only taken procreation. You know, we may have only had to have babies to make this happen. Um, we'll never know, but you can imagine perfect image bears beginning perfect image bears. Um, we don't have to worry about that. That's not our state. We're not perfect anymore. Um, we're fallen, and so now it looks—it's a little bit more intentional. Um, you know, this this passage comes from. The time where Israel is looking over the Jordan onto the promised land and, and Joshua's giving them their like last pet talk. Um, and so he's kind of summarizing the law that had just been given to them by Moses. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates it's intentional multiplication of god's rule you observe and you pass on now it's not this is kind of if you look at it at one glance and you don't take the rest of the old testament with it you might think well we just do that to our kids um so this is like multiplication within families still um i would argue that you can see that it's not within the old testament even in god's commands to abraham he's like your children in your household like whoever is among you whoever's around you um but then you know if you didn't believe that we could go to the new testament and see the great commission which we hear a lot about at MacF. um and you see again this is jesus speaking to his disciples at the end of his time on earth and he's giving them one last pep talk summarizing everything he's just taught them in the last few years um so this is given two disciples who are the equivalent of image bearers we don't totally lose our image bearing capacity but we have to yield um to god wholly to recover it so that's that's being a disciple of christ a follower of christ a believer um and he's, so he's speaking to his disciples. He's saying, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, multiply. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, observation of our, our fundamental command as humans to bear God's image, which is godliness or Christ-likeness or the fruits of the Spirit, however you want to look at it and then to pass that on, to multiply that in other people. Now, we don't get to cause growth in other people. Like, that's totally God's doing. But we have a responsibility to be very intentional intentional about planting seeds and watering them and walking alongside people. Um, So don't ever think it's up to you to get it done. Um, The ultimate success and failure of whether someone... It's, it's not whether someone comes to Christ or not, in, in our terms. Um, in our terms, it's being faithful with image-bearing and multiplication. Um, so so bearing God's image, for us, is kind of twofold. We have to die to ourselves first. Um, and this, again, is an active in, and intentional process. It's not something that just happens as we go to church. We don't... Death doesn't happen by osmosis. Um, it doesn't happen as we just read the word. We have to search out sin and put it to death in our lives. That's the imagery of Scripture. Put to death. You know, cut your arm off. Root uproot. Um, like it's very, it's very graphic language because it's an intentional process. Um, and the goal is not just to stop sinning. The goal is to get rid of everything. <clears throat> that distracts you from the kingdom whether on the surface it seems good or bad and that is one of the things i think we yeah we miss out on as christians and we'll get back to that later but um so the net, the other part of the other half of this is life in christ it's possible only through the holy spirit living in us which every person who believes in god has the holy spirit in them um and it and it looks like bearing all of christ 's communicable attributes we don 't get to be all knowing we don 't get to be all powerful or all good, but we get to be you know we get to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, compassion mercy, justice. We get to do those things we get to make God famous by shining his light um, to the world and it encompasses our thinking, speaking, and doing a lot of times when we we come to Christianity, and we have things that we're good at, or we have like things a personality lends to. Some of us are more gentle than others. I am not gentle, um, so that's not something I tend to. So, if left to my own, de- if left to my own devices, I would, you know, choose other parts of Christ's attributes. Like I would, you know, go for truth or, um, you know, justice and. The compassion thing I leave to the side, but we don't get to do that. Just like we have to put to death all of sin in our lives, all of it, all, every distraction. We don't. We have to put it on all of Christ. Um, there's a there's a parable that Jesus tells about uh, about this wedding feast, and this king invites a bunch of people to his feast, and all of his friends turn him down, and he invites you know the the people from the beggars and the people who are just sitting around the road and stuff um, and the only thing they have to do is put on the wedding clothes when they come in he 's got these beautiful clothes waiting for him um, there 's one guy that doesn 't do that he 's like no i 'm good, I like my rags um, and jesus or the king Jesus says, "All right, well, then you need to leave um, like he didn 't want to put on christ he, just, he wanted he wanted the benefits of the, the wedding feast without Adopting its culture without adopting its values. Um, so that's that's image bearing in a nutshell, and image bearing kind of overflows into multiplying God's rule. Um, and <clears throat> from the Great Commission, uh, that's a good question. It's I believe it's found in Matthew. I'm not sure. Does anyone know where that is found? It's in the Bible somewhere. That's what Frank says. <laughs> I don't think I just made that up, but uh. um, So while well, people are finding that. So multiplying God's rule, if you look at the Great Commission, it can kind of be broken up into three pieces, um, which, if you started discipleship, you've probably heard this, um, but, but it involves going. Um, and going is an assumption in the passage. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Verse? Uh, um, two, to two, to 2 to 14. Write that down. Um, gentle. gentle. Sorry. <laughs> Please write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so multiplying God's rule and others means going, and it, again it's an assumption in the passage, it's as you're going um, which essentially means placing ourselves in a position where we can meet the spiritual and physical needs of the world around us, and our emphasis on spiritual and physical because um, again, we have we all have things that we gravitate towards some of us gravitate towards spiritual truth and we just want to preach the gospel verbally, um, and other of us just want to, we see the needs of the world around us and we just say this must be the real point of the gospel, to meet these needs. Neither is the real point. They're the same point. Okay? You don't get to take them apart. Or you lose the gospel. Um, so you have to be in position. You can't remove yourself. You can't, you can't have like, a monastery. Or you can't go out into the middle of a desert as an ascetic and just be there. That's not, that's not fulfilling this. Um, and we are to be baptizing. Which probably brings up the image of water baptism, but the word here is like initiating into God's fold, um, which is essentially evangelism. We're bringing in people from outside the family of God into the family of God, um, and we do that through our words and our deeds. Um, because Im- you know, image bearing is all of us. We are image bearers. It's not what we say. It's not what we do. It's not what we think. It's all of that. Um, and then we are to be teaching. And teaching is what we most commonly think of as discipleship. It's that intentional training of believers, raising them up to become believers who not only you know, can walk their faith, talk their faith, but can multiply their faith um, through these avenues. All right. So that was, that's all, most of the scripture we're going to get for today. Um, now I, would, I just kind of want to explore as a body what that actually looks like. So this is going to be interesting, but uh, we're going to look at three things, Um, how we can use our time, our talent, and our treasure for God's glory, and I'm going to make this fall probably, but, all right, can everyone see that reasonably well? All right. But you guys have to do a lot of talking now. You guys get to do a lot of talking. Uh, Let's see. Um, So the first thing we're going to look at, and remember, it's like a preeminent idea. How do we make this the first important thing in our life? Um, So time. And I'm going to pick on one of my disciples first. Um, Caleb, what is one way that you have seen this done or can imagine it being done like putting making God a priority with our time uh,
1: evangelism and talking to our neighbors and then as well um, discipleship
0: so when you're thinking about your schedule <clears throat> how do these things happen Does that question make sense?
1: Yeah. Well, the discipleship is a little—it feels cut and dry sometimes because I guess I can do this. Sometimes because um, you know you meet with somebody for like an hour, hour and a half, two hours per week, and it's like okay, you pick a time, and you do it. For evangelism and neighboring, it it feels like um, first of all you can you can share the gospel during. At discipleship times, that's helpful because you get to do multiple things at once. But um, <laughs> it's great. Being but efficient. I, killed right.
0: Caleb likes efficiency.
1: But purposely sharing the gospel with people, it, it takes intentionality. So it's not easy. I don't know if there's like a, a clear, but one thing is just like you talk to people and you meet people and you start somewhere. But. Um, Feels like the discipleship is a little more intuitive because it's like okay, you just carve some time out of your week. You get know, on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. But evangelism is a little more like, well, I'm gonna try to figure it out. So,
0: okay. So I want to, Caleb, use the phrase carve some time out. Now, not to throw Caleb under the bus, but that like um, is is kind of how we we tend to think about God. Like we take our lives and then we. We move some things around and we put God into a slot. Um, and Caleb does not do this with his life, but it's, it's how we talk about it and it's how we tend to think about it. Um, what, how, what does it look like to start with God and to set our schedule by God? Anyone? All right, I'm going to pick. Deborah Naomi. <laughs> she picked herself for the record
2: fearsome people. Um, for me sometimes it gets to be really challenging looking at time management. but the idea is, is that um, for me if I, I picture like God in everything, um, God in, in, in my everyday daily activities from waking up to being at work, um, meeting, going to the grocery store, caring for my family, whatever the case might be, and each and every one of those daily what would seem routine or mundane events, I ask God, how do, how, how do you want to infuse this moment? like, constantly, and being aware of that throughout my day um, from the time you get up to going to bed.
0: Thank you. Um, I think that's good. I think um, there's a danger even in that to be adding God into what we're already doing. Um, I'm not trying to scare people away from talking, honestly. Um, But no, I mean, this is, like, something we we have to really, like, think about, um, Alvin. So, like, again, like, what is it? I guess the next step from there would be how do we choose what we're doing in ways that allows for image bearing and multiplication? Starting there. You know, but you can me, answer another question if that's what you're. No,
3: no, uh, just kind of like with time and just, um, you know, I kind of you know, just people. look at all my priorities, you know, that I need to have time with God, I need to have time uh, with my family need to have time fellowshiping and and I need to have time serving in the community and proclaiming the gospel. And so I just look at the calendar and uh, for our house, you know, there's a week where the focus is discipleship, but then the next week the focus is mission and so that week is when, you know, we hit the streets or, you know, meet the neighbors and, you know, and um, the way it kind of play out in our house is witnessing, neighboring but we're just intentional. We just kind of make sure that everything we're supposed to do is laid out. And then any other things like a recreation or something like that, you know, that gets added in accordingly.
0: Thanks. And the the way that might play out um, is, like, a lot of times people come to MACAV, and I I did this too when I came to MACAV, but... uh,
4: Just like with what Deborah and Naomi was saying, like, and you push back on her, back you push back on her and her wanting to integrate Christ into things. Like, we still need to get our dishes done. We still need to clean up our house. We still need to feed our children.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So, it's a we have to do those things. So, like, I'm asking you then, how are we supposed to, if if praying through the day and asking the Lord to be in those situations, and you're saying that's still not the
0: best thing to do. I'm asking what's the best thing to do. I'm asking you to tell me. No, No, um, I'll get to you in a sec. Sorry, I'll go up front so you guys don't all have to look backwards. Um, It's not not that that's a bad thing. I'm sorry if it came across as that's a bad thing. Um, It's that there's something different about starting with God than about adding them into the things that we have to do. Um there are some things that we have to do. I think our list of have to do's are a lot smaller than we think. Um and even the things that we ch- we choose to have to do like starting a family which creates more dishes, more diapers. Like that's something we choose to do because it helps us bear God's image and multiply. If it doesn't, we shouldn't be doing it. Um so that does that make sense? Is there a, do you understand that difference? Um, so we can glorify God in things, but in terms of setting up life's details, we choose the details that we have to do, and to a certain extent, um, because they allow for this. I think Chris
1: is next. Um,
6: and kind of along those lines, I, I, sometimes I think that sometimes I think the details can be a little bit of trouble, but for me it's more of a mentality shift it's saying you know what people are going to duplicate me whether I'm smoking cigarettes or loving Christ getting drunk or serving um, and I mean whether I like it or not they're going to duplicate everything about me my kid, my wife, my neighbor so what do I want them to duplicate? Um, it really is not attention to detail it's more saying do I really love my neighbor am I living the life that, that I want them to live as well um, so that, that's what it looks like in my time it comes from that focus is saying, I'm called to love God, and I'm called to love my neighbor. Um, So how do I want to live? I mean, it's that selfish versus service thing that I'm sure all of us struggle with. So if I want everybody to hang out on the computer and look at porn, that's what I should do. I could hang out on the computer and look at porn. If I want to love Christ and serve, I should love Christ and serve. Um, That's what it's about for us.
0: We'll take one more for a time and then we'll go to the next one.
4: Um, I think as a mother, also, sometimes our greatest ministry is realizing that my main ministry is discipling my children. My, even if though I work outside the home, one of my main things is duplicating a love for God and a love for Christ within my children and mm-hmm. showing them What it means to be a disciple of Christ. That is my first calling as a mom, is to point them Godward. And it is very easy to get caught up in all the details of there's laundry to be done, a kid got sick, there's a doctor's visit to be made, but how do I show love even as i discipline my children how do am i showing them god's love and grace and pointing them to him Mm -hmm. am i modeling that to other moms around me as i take my child to the doctor as i deal with issues that come up in the schooling Mm -hmm. and things like that do i show forth christ's love as i go about those daily necessities of
5: life
0: yeah um i totally agree with that i um, one of the dangers as a parent, um, and I think as a husband and wife, and one, that, one thing that's encouraged in our culture as Christians is to, to focus entirely on our family. And I, you weren't saying that, um, but I just want to make sure we're not hearing that, that our family trumps this. Like, the way we treat our family is part of this. It doesn't come ahead of this. Um, we have families because they encourage image bearing and help multiplication. And our mission doesn't stop with our family. We simultaneously reach our neighbors at the same time. Um, Thank you for talking, Um, more opportunities to come. So next exploring, you know, what does it look like to use our talent to encourage our own image bearing and our own multiplication? And I don't, I wanna make a distinction here between talent and Spiritual gifts. I am not talking about spiritual gifts. We often think of, we often use them synonymously. You know, oh, I'm, I'm gifted in this, I'm gifted in that. And then we talk about being called to something because we're gifted in it. Um, I don't have time to talk about that here, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, this is just, you know, what skills do you have? And, you know, what skills could you have? And how should you pursue those or develop those? Or drop those um, to encourage image brain multiplication. You know, just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you pursue it. Where's the mic? There we go.
2: That's a really good question because oftentimes we, many of us, feel like we don't have any talent. But the fact is, I think God gives us not spiritual gifts but actual physical talents. And we all have something that we can use uh, to glorify Him in our communities and exalt Christ. And it, it comes in little things. For example, if you are handy as a mechanic, you may be able to help your neighbor you know, change his oil, fix his brakes, um, when maybe he couldn't afford that or whatever. And God can use that. If mm-hmm. you're good at landscaping, maybe you'll help your neighbor... In that area, even if it's just giving advice what to plant, where to plant it so that his house looks good and then maybe helping him with it if you if you can work that into your time. Um, it can be child care, it can be anything. Each of us has something small we can contribute. And the beauty about that is I think it, we manifest it within the community of faith, bearing one another's burdens and we should not in pride, but make our talents known so that we can help one another. And then also in our community, our our larger community in the world that we live in, Mm -hmm. using those things as to give entrance to the gospel.
0: Amen. How do we make our talents known to people so they can take advantage of them? Without being prideful. (laughs) Wow. Went over. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um,
5: okay, so I guess one talent that people told me that I had, I can I can do hair, and um, I think my experience in college was with African American women, like, causing them doing their hair for free, which was hard most of the time because I was a broke college student, but, um, like, just I feel like giving that gift to women and saying, you know what, hey, you don't have to, you know, conform. You don't have to um, straighten your hair to look like everybody else if you don't want to. Like, this is how God created you to be. This is, mm-hmm. And I think that was a way to minister to women um, on campus, and it actually started a huge movement amongst African-American women on campus, like embracing their kinks and their curls, and, you know, embracing who God created them to be. And it actually, you think the hair is very superficial, but it's not because it, it causes it causes you to realize who you are and who God created you to be. And it, it causes you to look at yourself and look at God differently. So I think in that way, you can, you can minister.
0: Praise the Lord. Another thing, I'm sure those sessions didn't take five minutes, so you have a chance. You have a captive audience where you can be speaking truth into their life.
4: Um, I'm going to talk up a crew that's not here. So the odds, I know, um, when they... Oh, here. That's here. So then I'm
3: going to talk up you
4: now. Blush. Um, I know that when they moved in um, and we lived next door to each other, they went to house and they were like, hey, we just moved in. I'm a doctor, so if anyone's ever sick and you need, you know, some advice, some help, and you're worried, come talk to us. And I think... Um, that was a really good example for myself who is a teacher um because then it i mean especially if you're a doctor folks are like "So you're a doctor you make lots of dough like why are you living here and it, and it opens up an opportunity to then be sharing the gospel and like saying you know i'm here because christ calls us to live amongst the poor to like make disciples and um we're choosing to, to do that here um so i think that was a good way to be using their talent for those purposes
1: Um, I'd say that was more my wife's
6: doing. She's a bit better <laughs> than I um, I think talents can be uh, twofold. I think they can be used as a, like an avenue to get into people's lives. Um, like If you're doing like carpentry work, you can be sharing the gospel doing that, um, or whatever you feel like you're doing, law, teacher, medical, anything. Um, then I think the other thing with talents is you can choose who you uh, like serve. So like people like with musical talents here, they could be spending a lot more time trying to make a CD, trying to make some money, but they're spending a lot of their time uh, serving the body with their musical talents. And so I think the same thing can be applied to other ways uh, as well. It's just who you want to serve and also just using it as a tool to share the gospel.
7: the
4: other thing I was just thinking about with in <clears throat> response to your question of how do we humbly make our talents known. And I think it happens naturally if we use our talents and if we're in people's lives and knowing what people's needs are and using our time to honor the Lord that will naturally and organically happen and then people are going to know and hear but if we're living in our own bubble we're not going to know what people's needs are and even know how we can use our talents.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, one more <coughs> and then we'll
1: where I used to want to sing. <laughs>
2: and I still
6: do, but I can't. Um, and I thought that I didn't have a talent because I couldn't sing. Uh, but I just remember, like, the Lord continuing to show me that one of my talents was in networking and bringing people who don't have resources with people who do. Mm. And so, like, I guess I'm sharing that because maybe your talent isn't the, the normal talent. It doesn't mean it can't be used
7: for God's glory in it great way I guess what I'm hearing a lot of people say in a more specific way is one we take our talents and we put them under the submission of, of Christ as king which means for one we use those talents to transmit and reflect the communicable attributes of Christ that you mentioned before, and we take skills that we have, whether that's being a doctor or a contractor or whatever, and using those things to express love and joy and justice, and and, then as a result, because we're doing those things and we brought them under the submission of Christ... We're also rejecting all of the lies and the cultural ways of using those talents, whether that's to gain wealth or status, things like that. And I don't want to make that too vague. I don't want that to be so obscure that we can just kind of pass by it. But the starting point is, how do we make sure that my talents are under the submission of Jesus? And then how do I use those talents to communicate those attributes and at the same time simultaneously reject the way the world would have to use those talents?
0: Thank you. Um, Yeah, one of the... Like what leon was saying um and I th- what jeremy was saying too um these talents aren't always like <clears throat> the things our world looks at and says now that person is talented um you don't have to be a tiger woods or you know a lance armstrong um to bring god glory you don't have to be accepting an award at the grammys or the emmys or whatever other award ceremony to say you know i'm doing this for god um, and i would argue that that we we have as a culture a christian culture made doing what we do but just better how we serve god um, and i and i think we're missing out there if we if we just say well i you know come to christ i am good at sports or writing or whatever um, the better i do those things the more glory god will get because if you look at the tops of pretty much any field you probably won't see a christian just throwing it out there, but you probably won't see a Christian. Um, and in part, that's because those people have made that their God. The way you get good at something is you sell yourself to it. Um, I had the opportunity to run in college, track. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but it took a tremendous amount of time. Um, hours and hours a day spent honing a, a skill. Um, and that's, that wasn't necessarily redemptive. Um, I didn't win very many awards, so I never got the chance to say. And I just want to give the glory to God. Um, So, so I mean, you know, if you never, if you never make it to that point, you know, how, how are you using your talents, whatever they are? Um, And I think some, some of the needs were brought up earlier in, in the service about like taking care of kids. Um, That's a, that's a talent that gets overlooked. That's a, a skill that gets overlooked. But we have. Lots of wonderful parents in here, and lots of people that could be training themselves now to be wonderful parents. Um, And that's so that's a great opportunity to use a skill for the good of the body, um, to train up the kids, to be multiplying your faith in the kids in this body. Um, All right, so the last one is the fun one. How about our treasure? And by our, our treasure, I mean money, cars, books, houses. Clothes, food. How do we? How do we use? It's it's God's treasure, by the way. <laughs> I'm gonna. We we use it as our, I, We use the phrase my this, my that, whatever. But we are stewards. You know, we have been bought, and everything we have is God's. How do we use God's treasure to multiply godliness in ourselves and in others? sharing with how do you how do you make sharing a way of image bearing is it just by sharing itself or is there is there more to it sharing with those in, around us that don't have access to the treasures that we've with. yeah so you'd be showing you'd be modeling compassion on physical needs um or kindness is there other ways of giving? Well, you can just speak.
6: I'd just like to say I loan out God's tools quite a bit.
0: <laughs> you like some back? <laughs> <laughs> Frank wants his tools back. No, but <laughs> I. I mean, he wants God's tools back. I got a sign of sheet.
7: No, but I do think if you have access to, to things that people may
2: need, that you can, even if it's just that somebody can accomplish something on their own without having to drop a lot of money. I think that, you know, I just think that model's low, so. Just kind of
5: like what Frank said, um, but the time part, your time is someone else. It's treasure, mm-hmm. like you never know what somebody else needs and you may be in a rush but just to give them time to speak life or truth into whatever situation that's going on in their lives can also be helpful and be a blessing in their life as well as your own
0: yeah i think one of the one of the biggest obstacles for myself and i think a lot of other christians to bearing god's image is being in a hurry all the time like having a place to go like the next thing to do I'm kind of focused on the next thing all the time, and so, like the you know, in the parable of the good Samaritan, you have two people that just want to get somewhere, and then you have you know the Samaritan who who stops what he's doing, takes time, um, takes his money, and pours it into this, you know, this man who's broken on the side of the road. So I guess the yeah, you can hand that over, but so the core, you know, what what would you do about that? You'd have to make yourself less busy and change your mindset about, you know, the importance of the next thing.
4: Um, well, I just, first of all, I think that sometimes we can make our talents our treasure. Um, and so if we're constantly sharing that talent, to have it in front of us that we're giving it to God. And then secondly, with our treasure, I know that for me sometimes um, I hold on to my treasure so tightly. And I think... That if we, um, um, Colossians 3, 2, like if we, our, our eyes are set on the things that are above and not the things of this earth, like we're able to, to have our, our treasures and enjoy them, but to hold them loosely and, um, and to know that they are the Lord's and that He may take them away. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, to not let that, you know, rock our world or like our plans change and we're upset about it. We know that we're holding onto things too tightly, and um, we need to give God the control of our treasures.
0: How do we give God first importance with treasure? Not just kind of an add on importance.
5: Um, I think one of the, the ways that you can do that is if you realize that that I, I, I feel like I was just kind of quickly diving down. that Sometimes your treasure can be a block to your pathway to God. And I think if you realize that and you can consciously let it go, I think that I don't know if this is answering your questions. I think maybe that that's sometimes the best way to do it. And that can be really, really
0: difficult. Um, so, yeah. That's my one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's not just a conscious process, but it's actually a physical process. Like when, you know, when Jesus talks to the rich young ruler, he doesn't just say, you need to, you need to cultivate an inner detachment from your wealth. He says, you need to leave it. That's not a that's not a universal command, but that's again getting at that, getting away from, like getting away from the idea of thinking um, just sin is bad, but getting away from di- like putting to death our distractions as well. Like we cut them off. We don't we don't carry them and hope they don't affect us.
4: Hi. Um. I think the way that I'm thinking about treasure on, in heaven versus treasure on earth, and they're all sort of related, like. Um, this idea of investing eternally, so whether it's my time, or my en- or, or my brain, or whatever it is, um, what will last forever? You know, long after we're all dead, uh, mm-hmm. the time that or energy that I put into like a job application for something cool I'll do in the next five years versus a relationship um, that will, you know. Counted know? yeah.
0: Um, so I think that's the way I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and in, I think that's the last comment we'll take. Um, in thinking about storing up treasure in heaven, I'm glad you brought that up. Like there's a parable about the a shrewd or it's called the shrewd servant or the unfaithful servant or something like that. It's kind of an odd parable, it's a little hard to understand at first. But this this guy who's a steward of his master's money again, um, he is found to be, you know, not doing a good job. You know, he's fixing the books, whatever. And he finds out his master's gonna fire him. And so he has like a few hours left with the books and he brings in all of his master's debtors and says, all right, you know, you owe 500, let's make it 100. You know, you owe 10, let's make it one. Um, And so he, he marks down all these people's debt in order that he would have friends afterwards when he no longer has a job. That parable isn't meant to say, fix books, do whatever um, do whatever you want with them to make friends. But Jesus, you know, Jesus says, the point of that is, use what you have right now to make friends for yourself in eternity. Multiplying ourselves, um, which includes the image-bearing, is how we make friends for eternity. Like, that's, that is treasure in heaven. It's not a big house. It's not a crown. It's not a bunch of, you know, chests full of gold or rubies or diamonds or whatever you like. It's not that. It's people. That's heavenly treasure. You get Christ and all these people get to enjoy Christ with you. Um, that's, that's how we, you know, can measure our decisions in ways that store up treasures in heaven. Alright, so, that's probably over, but, uh, here's some, I just took one of these, the treasure one, and looked up some principles we'll kind of fly through this, but the first the first thought is you know getting a, an honest job like you know glorifying God doesn't mean that all you do all day is pray and preach and maybe eat um, but you know scripture, as Eric says, is pro job, <laughs> um, and so are we but you know this this passage from Second Thessalonians says you know if a person can work but isn't willing to they shouldn't eat like this is serious like lazy people need to be challenged um, we need to we need to work um, and you know work was an institution that came before the fall it was it's part of God's provision for us it's good for us um, and once you know you get your paycheck give to give some to God before you give to yourself before you account for your needs. Um, before you account for, you know, what am I gonna wear? What am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? Give some to God. Um, and that's the principle behind tithing. That's the principle behind first fruits in the Old Testament. Um, and then provide for your or your family's ministry. And that, that, I wanna say ministry because I don't want us to get stuck on need. Like, if we, if we say, um, <coughs> You know, all I need to live on is, you know, some bread, water, whatever. That won't that won't allow us to do ministry. Our, we measure need in the kingdom of God by ministry. Just like you don't send a soldier out onto a battlefield and say, "Here's your bread and here's your water. Do your do your darndest." Um, no, you give him a gun, you give him whatever else he needs to fight the battle. Um, and we need the same thing. And that looks like. You know, for some, having a bigger house so they can have large Bible studies and community meetings in their house. For some, that needs an apartment so they can be more mobile. Um, that is where we get differing amounts of stuff in our lives, like by measuring it according to our ministry. And after a certain point, it's not going to help your ministry anymore. It's just going to become a distraction. So then you give the rest to others. Um, and that can be... The, the first giving to God um, is mostly like Giving to the organized body of Christ, the church, um, missions. Um, and this, this is more giving. It can be to that same group of, group, the organized body of Christ, but it can also be in just acts of compassion, like you were talking about before. Um, you know, to people who don't have enough to even live on right now. And then, you know, continue to reevaluate. Plan to, plan to use less and to give more. Um, hopefully if you're in discipleship at some point you've talked about budgeting um, this is a huge outage in the church today um, in terms of our budgeting looks more like tithe plus worldly wisdom Dave Ramsey um, is kind of where that's going um, but this, this is our, our stewardship points to God it doesn't point to security peace of mind it doesn't do that Um so our budgeting has a goal and it's image bearing and multiplication. Um and then give until it hurts. Like when when scripture encourages giving, it doesn't it doesn't use rich people who give a little bit of money. It the example that we're all called to at least appreciate, if not emulate, is you know, people like the poor widow who gave two copper coins, or the Macedonian church, Paul holds them up to the Corinthian church and says, you know, out of their extreme poverty, you know, that overwhelmed in rich generosity. So that's kind of, you know, if we're not hurting, we probably need to go back and look a little bit at what we're doing. All right. So, all of this is motivated by joy. You know, we we give God our rags and he gives us treasure. And we aren't losing out on anything by putting God first. Um, you know that passage from Matthew said you know he he'll give you what you need, you know, just put him first, um don't worry about that stuff um, yeah, and this yeah this is I think one of the more powerful ideas in scripture is that we get treasure and it transforms like this this dowerful um kind of servitude into something that is that allows for you know happiness like Sometimes we're scared of saying we we are commanded to be happy people like in Christ. Um, Again, that's something I'm very good at showing. But um, but this is I mean this is what you're if you say you're a believer then you are saying that you believe God is treasure, not just that He exists, but that He is treasure and He deserves your life and everything in it. Um, So I'll just read these passages or this passage: The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. That's what our lives are to look like. We don't bemoan the fact that we are not going to go to the party with our friends because that's going to make us slip up. You can go to parties, I'm not saying that, but if it does slip you up, don't go to it. And don't act like you're missing out. You get treasure. Okay, we're not missing out by by being here, you know, in houses that have bed bugs. We're not missing out. we this is treasure. Um, believe it or not, <laughs> um, or and I mean, how we've had lots of different house problems. But that's the latest one. So I'll use that. You know that that is that is for our joy. Which is really hard to understand, but it's really important that we do at the same time. Like God is asking for a total shift in your like in your value system. He wants, you to, he wants you to value Him, and then not really worry about other things. You know, Though other things have their context in Him, but He is what you are to value. Um, if you don't value Christ, this life will be hard. You know, you will you will feel like you're just pounding your head against a brick wall every time you try to do ministry. Um, which is why, you know, if you, if you haven't heard this before, I encourage you to read a couple books or one book by John Piper. He does a great job of laying out the, the call for joy in the life of a Christian. Um, but we'll move on. So how, how can we sort through this as you go home, you know, on your own, in your Mac group, whatever? Um, you know, I, I encourage you to look at your, look at your own strengths and weaknesses, and to, to say, what, what situations, what details in my life encourage me to use my strengths in Christ, for Christ? And, you know, what, what obstacles are there for me to using those things for Christ? Um, am I always using them for something else right now and I need to change that? Um, and then what are my weaknesses? What areas do I need to grow in, you know, for Christ? Um, you know, what... How can I be challenged in that? You know, is that, you know, a special time of studying scripture? Is that going through it with a or Is that taking out, you know, is that giving away your wealth so you don't get distracted by that anymore? Um, this is, yeah. The, the possibilities are really endless. Like, this should lead to drastic change in our lives when we understand this God, God-first motif in scripture for real. Um, and then, where am I on the road of discipleship? Um, we have a lot of people that come in and out of Macav, and um, one of the one of the things that I think people leaving Macav and you know going anywhere in general, um, we tend to we tend to decide where we're going by you know if we have a job there or if our spouse has a job there or if our school is there, and we give very little thought to its effects on our. Our growth as Christians, um, and there are there are good churches in other places, um, for sure. And but we usually we usually say, okay, I have a job there now. I'm going to look for a church, and that's I mean that's the wrong priority. Like, right, God's God comes first. Um, and the, so, th- where am I on the road of discipleship? Am I in a place where I still need to be poured into? Like. I'm an infant being tossed back and forth by the way, as Paul says. Um, are we that person? Do we need poured into Do we really need to be rooted in a church that is going to challenge us? Um, or are we a little bit further along? Um, you know, are we ready to affect people? Are we ready to move out in into less safe territory um, as Christians and, you know, start multiplying people? Um, if you are, then you could probably go anywhere. You know, you could be a missionary in the middle of Pakistan, but make sure you're there before you go. (laughs) Make sure that that's where, you know, your heart is, um, and get godly counsel on that before you, before you assume that you're that mature. Um, so, so in answering those questions, you know, look at, look at life's details, you know, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, and, you know, what needs to stay? What is encouraging me to use my strengths? What's... You know, challenging my weaknesses right now—is that a discipleship relationship? Is that you know, is um, you know, is the, is a situation at work you know challenging me to grow, not just you know, <clears throat> not just a hard situation. Um, and then what need what needs to go? Like, what is a distraction to me right now? And I really encourage you to spend some time on that one. And I mean. I would suggest, like, making a list. Like, get it in front of you and, like, think about the different components of your life. Divide it up however you want to. But then think about, one by one, how they encourage or discourage you from pursuing the gospel. Um, and then what needs to be added? Am I not in discipleship, but I ought to be? Am I... Am I in a... or? Yeah, am I, do I need to be in a good church? And I'm not right now, I'm just kind of jumping around. Um, Do I need to do, do I need to actually study the Bible? Do I need to actually tithe? Do I need to do a lot of the basic things that I I just haven't been doing before? All right, we're almost done. Um, So a warning to the distracted, and I I really just want to hammer home, like, how serious this is. Um, because, because it's all over scripture, because it's, you know, the backdrop of every, you know, Sunday school story, this God first mentality, we kind of miss it. And I just want to read through this. You know, so this is Jesus, and he's walking along with a bunch of followers. Um, and they say, you know, as they were walking along the road, a man asked him, I will, or a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me but the man replied lord first let me go and bury my father jesus said to him let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of god still another said i will follow you lord but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family jesus replied no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of god those are really hard statements um Especially in a culture, a Christian culture, where we're encouraged to focus on our family. Um, you know, make that our preeminent pursuit. Um, you know, there's one man is not going to follow him presumably because of comfort. Um, the other two are probably not going to follow him because of cultural or fa- family distractions. Um, you know, would would we pass that test? Would we follow Christ if he said that to us. I hope that we would. If we do, um, then we get Christ. You know, we have died to ourselves. We have died to the distractions of our lives. And we have been made alive in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Christ returns, we will appear with him in glory. Everything that looks foolish to the world around us, will be vindicated by Christ. You know, every promise in Christ will come true in its full. We get to experience that in part right now. But when Christ makes all things new, we will be there. Um, so we're going to do Tide now. let see.